Dr. Luis Sandoval is accomplished in the fields of mental health and spiritual warfare, a medical doctor, board certified in neurology, psychiatry, and family medicine. He is also a psychiatrist for the Roman Catholic Diocese of Orange, Ministry of Healing and Deliverance. Now, Dr. Luis Sandoval. All right, folks. Well, welcome to Virgin Mouth Powerful Radio. You're listening to the Dr. Luis Sandoval Show. As always, I'm your host, Dr. Sandoval. Happy to be here to talk about our faith and our health, really, more than anything else. What it comes down to is our spiritual health. When we listen to Virgin Most Powerful Radio, we want to know what the truth is. Really, that's what it comes down to. What does it mean to be Catholic? What are the truths of the Catholic faith? And here in the month of August, we're going to be talking about the truth of the Immaculate Heart of Mary, the whole month dedicated to the Immaculate Heart. How is this different from the Sacred Heart devotion? A little bit different, not different. You know, we do the Sacred Heart devotion starting in June. July is a month dedicated to the most precious blood of our Lord. And then August to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. You know, is there a difference in devotion? Is there not? What does it mean for us? And what can we do to get closer to the Immaculate Heart? But here at the top of the noon hour, Let's go ahead and get started with the Angelus. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. The angel of the Lord declared unto Mary, and she conceived of the Holy Spirit. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death, amen. Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it done unto me according to thy word. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. And the Word was made flesh, and dwelt among us. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Pray for us, O Holy Mother of God, that we may be made worthy of the promises of Christ. Let us pray. Pour forth, we beseech thee, O Lord, thy grace into our hearts, that we to whom the incarnation of Christ thy Son was made known by the message of an angel, may by his passion and cross be brought to the glory of his resurrection, through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. Saint Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke and we humbly pray unto thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl around the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, folks, it's interesting, you know, what's in the heart of a mother? That's really the question of the day. Um, you know, the Immaculate Heart of Mary, why do we have a devotion to it? What Should we have a devotion to it? You know, obviously, for Our Lady, we venerate Our Lady. These are some important things to consider um, as we talk about the Immaculate Heart. So let's back up a little bit and look at a few things. Number one, you know, as Catholics, we have a very, very strong devotion to Our Lady. And this gets misconstrued by a lot of people. In other words, people don't always understand what that means. Why they think that we worship Our Lady, they think that we make Our Lady a deity, We they think that we say that she has a divine nature, things along those lines, which we don't. We say Our Lady was a human being, but we do say she was immaculately conceived. So different from us, Our Lady did not have the stain of original sin, and she was able to love God perfectly because she loved God simply for being God. She looked, she didn't look for any gain. She didn't look for what's in it for her. She didn't uh, think about 
you know, how she was going to get a higher place in heaven or anything along those lines. But we do believe as Catholic Catholics that she has the highest place in heaven because of that, because of her extreme humility. I think that this is what we really need to look at. We have a strong devotion to Our Lady. We have to understand who Our Lady is. She is the Queen Mother. What's in the heart of the Queen Mother? I started thinking about this a little bit, not only because it's the month of August and it's the month of Our Lady, but I've been getting a lot of requests, ironically so, in the last two months from mothers. And in fact, most of the emails I get, the phone calls I get, the requests I get about, you know, Dr. Sandoval, I need help. Can you help me out? I need some advice. A lot of it is just parents. And for the most part, it's mothers. It's it's interesting. It's beautiful and challenging all at the same time. Um, why? Because when moms come to me, they say, Dr. Sandoval, my kid needs help, whether it be their son, their daughter. And they say, please help them. And I look in their eyes and their eyes are really, you know, their request. I look in their eyes when they're telling me this, or if it's an email, I can read a little bit about what's going on. But the request comes from the heart. You know, the request of a mother is a very, very special place. And I think one of the biggest challenges, a lot of moms feel like they're not good enough, like they did something wrong. This is the classic example. Let me actually, let me read a case here, and then we're going to get into how we can incorporate the Immaculate Heart into some of these cases. So let me read this email, because this was a little bit heart-wrenching. Dear Dr. Sandoval, I need your help. Now, that's how it always starts. I don't know if I can help, but let's see what's going on. Um, she says, my son is lost in so many ways. She says he's currently homeless, but he's lost his way. We grew up Catholic. He went to Catholic school. We could not afford Catholic high school, which is very true. Catholic high schools are very expensive nowadays. We could not afford Catholic high school. And he started to run with the quote unquote wrong crowd. She says, I feel guilty because both my husband and I had to work in order to make ends meet. And when he was in high school, I don't feel that we spent enough time with him. He, His friends were not very good influences. In fact, they were into drugs, and some of them, I believe, were gang members. My son fell into this trap and into this lifestyle. He did not end up having any problems with the law, but he did start getting into drugs, marijuana first, and then heavier drugs. I don't know all the drugs he's done. However, what I did see is that he was a very prominent, I'm sorry, he had a very promising uh, career. I think she means he, he got really good grades. Um, she says he was very smart and he could have been something much bigger in the future. However, he never went, made it to college. He started using more and more drugs. I think she's trying to call methamphetamine. Um, she thinks he's, he started using methamphetamine, and this was his demise. He has he would start to come and go from the home. We would see different friends who we did not know, and he kept asking for money. Eventually, he got to the point where he didn't come home, and after a few nights, I wasn't sure what was happening. I called the police. I called his friends, but nobody knew where he was. Finally, we got word of him as he came back to the house, and I asked him what he'd been doing. He didn't smell very good, and it looked as though he'd been spending time on the street. He goes back and forth between coming home and being what I believe is homeless or staying with friends, but all his focus is, is doing drugs now. Please help. What can I do? Um, you know, these are those heart-wrenching stories because if we infer a few things from this message, 
you know, the parents were probably trying to do their best in today's world. You know, after the fall of Adam and Eve, what did God tell us? He said, you know, he was telling Adam he was going to have to work for his stability, well-being, for providing for his family. Um, and that's a that's a position we all find ourselves in, right? We all have to in this world, it's about money moves things, and we got to pay for our home, we got to pay for our cars, our gas, transportation. There's nothing wrong with that necessarily, but it can be very challenging. Both parents are working and they feel like they're not paying enough attention to their son. Now, here's where the challenging part comes in. We don't want to speculate. So for this mom, what I would what I told her was one, I wouldn't necessarily blame yourself because if your son made it through Catholic school all through eighth grade, I'm not saying that all the Catholic elementary schools and junior high schools are excellent or the best or they're going to teach their religion uh, ideally. However, being in a Catholic environment at whatever level, there's got to be a level of a crucifix. There's got to be a level of some religious education. And there has to be a level that we have to recall God is working in our hearts too when we let him. You know, for our kids, and this is what I tell moms, a lot of times we feel like, you know, as a dad, we feel like we're in control. I'm in charge of my of my kid. And what they do well or what they do bad is because of me. It's easy to feel that way. And some things, yeah, that's true. Did I help my child study for a test? Absolutely. Did I um, review their vocabulary words with them or their spelling words for their tests? Absolutely. We sat down and we looked at them. They knew them well. Did I give them tricks as to, did I see what their strengths and weaknesses were? I gave them little tricks, right? And said, no, look, Ryan, you're spelling this word. Remember, think of it this way. Think of it that way. Okay. And then they come back after their test and they get 100% or they miss one or two. But they're so happy because they did really, really well. And they come back and they show mom and dad the test because they say, look what I did. Yeah. And you helped me study. Thank you so much. And we feel like we're a part of that, which we are. But at the same time, in a way, we're not. We were a part of helping them get to the test, but I wasn't there for the test. I wasn't there guiding my child during the test. I didn't tell them how to spell the words. They had to do that on their own. It's their own will at that point, their own volition. Did they take what they learned? Did we support them and what they learned from school? And did they execute well? That's the question of the day. Now, when it comes to life, how is that similar? Well, life is a test every single day. Our kids are going to go through tests every single day. One of the questions, though, is at that point, how responsible am I? Well, it's no different than tutoring a kid when they're young. You know, I can give them the tools. I can help them study. I can help them navigate. I can ask them, well, what's your homework? Let me take a look at the list and help them out. But eventually it's their choice. Once they get to a certain age, we have to recall it's going to be their choice again. If my son or daughter chooses to do drugs, it's going to be their choice. Will I feel guilty? Did I do something wrong? I have to ask myself, did I help them prepare for that test? Did I help them study? Did I let them know, hey, you know what? There's going to be a, a test coming up and you might face be faced with challenging things like people are going to be doing drugs. It's going to be your own friends. It's not going to be some creepy dark guy in an alleyway. It might be your own friends who show up one day with the drugs. Uh, there's going to be, you know, you're going to see different things. You're going to be taught different morals if you go to a public school than you did when you were in a Catholic school. Are you ready for that test? Well, it's not always easy. The kid still has to take the tests on their own. But did I take the time as a parent to sit down and tutor them a little bit? Give them a heads up. Let them know what I think is right or wrong or what pitfalls are out there. Well, we're going to have to think about that when we come back from the break. 
All right. Well, welcome back to Birds of Most Powerful Radio. You're listening to the Dr. Sandoval Show. Today, we're talking about how do we know if we're a good mother? Well, really, more than anything else, how do we know if we're a good parent? But in the spirit of the Immaculate Heart of Mary, in the month of August, how do we know if we have a motherly heart? You know, it's interesting because moms have such a special place in our hearts. You know, Mother's Day is celebrated big. Uh, Mother's Day is always, gosh, you got to do something for mom. Yeah, we're kind of on the side. We're considered the ideally the, the strong, silent type who, you know, we do okay. Give the dad a Coke or a good cup of coffee and a couple hours of quiet. And dad's probably going to be pretty happy. There, That's a good Father's Day. For moms, you know, if you say, no, I didn't do anything for my mom. Wow, that can be an issue. I remember in uh, in the hospital uh, when we were when I was treating patients in, in the inpatient psychiatric ward um, during my training. We would uh, one one of the gauges was if if the patient came in and they were not in a good place or um, they weren't doing really well, and they called their mom, and their mom didn't even want to have anything to do with them. Would say that's pretty bad. When your own mom doesn't want to come to see you or your own mom is saying, you know what, I'm kind of tired here. That's pretty bad. Mostly for the most part, moms would come in and they would be the ones calling and how's my, how's my son or daughter doing? What's going on? How can we help them? Um, but once in a while, you'd get those cases where even moms were feeling a little bit frustrated. For the break, we were talking about a case where a mom was feeling frustrated. She was feeling guilty because her son got into drugs obviously not what she had taught him to do. Uh, and she didn't know what to do at this point. You know, he was homeless. He's um, coming and going from the house, apparently with got involved with the wrong crowd. And what do we do? What do I do as a parent at this point? You know, this is a obviously in a very obvious case where the kid's doing drugs, but we can look at this in different at different levels, even as Catholics. What do I do if my child is not following the Catholic faith anymore? What do I do if my child tells me, no, you know what? It's okay. Um, you know, birth control is not a sin anymore. So that's what I'm going to start doing. And my boyfriend and I, or my girlfriend and I are going to uh, start living together. And that's okay because, you know, that's, that's what we do nowadays. And when I brought you up Catholic, that's not what we do as Catholics. That's what they're going to do. Where did I go wrong? That's what we ask ourselves as parents. That's what we ask ourselves um, overall uh, when we think about the well-being of our children. What did I do wrong? And moms, for the most part, really take on that burden. One of the important things to remember, though, is as children, they grow up, but they're making their own decisions. God is working in their lives individually. How do I know that? We see our kids kind of as separate, but we got to think back to when we were young. We got to think back to when we were in grade school, high school, college. At what point was my parent responsible for my own actions? I would honestly say by the time I was probably in fourth or fifth grade, I had enough sense to know right from wrong, um, make my own decisions, independent of my parents. In other words, knowing what my parents taught me, knowing what my teachers taught me, and then I knew I had a choice to either follow that or not follow that. And it was my own choice. Probably by fourth or fifth grade, easily. For sure by junior high. So this is where in junior high, kids start making their own decisions. They start, you notice that they want to dress a certain way, act a certain way, hang out with particular friends. Um, high school, same, same idea, even more so, you know. Is it good to get kids involved in sports and things like that? Absolutely. I think it's always good. I think it's good to encourage our children 
to uh, you know do as many positive activities as possible. But even as you do that, even if even if you're trying to get your child involved in different activities, they can still have moments where they're going to have not the best of friends, make decisions on their own that weren't the smartest decisions. Why? Because that's what we have to go through. Hopefully, hopefully there's that seed that we planted that we let them know, hey, you're going to find yourself in this situation. You might not want to do that. Hey, you're going to find yourself in this other situation. You might want to think twice. Hey, you, you know, why not do that? A lot of times parents are embarrassed or they don't want to tell their kids about their own faults. You know, as parents, we have the sense of perfection almost. You're supposed my kids are supposed to look up to me. Well, believe it or not, by sharing maybe pitfalls we've encountered, things we thought were right, but then realized were wrong because of X, Y, or Z. By sharing some of our experiences, our kids are going to learn and they're going to say, Oh wow, mom, dad told me that this was the situation and it was real. You know, it's a lot easier, I think, to follow that than this idea that my parents are perfect. How do I live up to that? Because I'm not perfect. I think if we kind of sit down and realize, no, we know we're all per- we're all going to have our weaknesses, our imperfections in different ways. That's important to consider. That's important for our kids to hear, um, because in the midst of my imperfection, what am I going to do with that? Am I going to stay in it, or no? I'm trying to follow Christ. I'm trying to follow a better way. That's really what I advise this mom to do. I let her know, you know, the mom who who wrote me this message and was worried about her son going back and forth. First, I said. I wouldn't blame myself necessarily. Your son made his own choices. He chose to get involved with certain friends. He chose to use drugs or whatever he's doing now. He's chosen to, uh, you know, unfortunately in the world of drugs, the drugs are a big draw, so it can change your life. What can you do now as a mom? A lot of parents roll their eyes, but at this point I can say a few things. I can say, well, there's nothing you can do. And that sounds pretty hopeless, but in a way it's kind of real. There's not one particular thing that you can do you can't, the kid's an adult, it's not like he can come home and you trap him and you say, you have to do this for that. Because then he would easily, I've seen this happen, he would easily call the police department and say, hey, I'm being kidnapped and I'm being trapped here and I'm an adult and I want to leave. And the police department's going to say, yeah, if your child is over 18, there's they're free to go. You cannot hold them hostage. You cannot hold them against their will. You can't force them to do anything. Well, that's kind of scary. So there's nothing I can do. Not in that sense. You can't physically do something to them. Well, Dr. Sandoval, what if I bring them into the clinic? What if I am able to convince them? Maybe I'm going to trick them. Maybe I'm going to tell them that we're going to go to get you know some food, their favorite store. But really, I'll bring them to the clinic. I'll bring them in, and then you can help them. Nope. The same way that you as a parent can't hold them back and can't lock them up, you bring them to my clinic, I cannot force treatment on them. I cannot force them to... Um, take medication. The first thing that happens is if somebody, if a family member is brought to me and they're an adult and the parents come in and they say, you have to tell him this and this and this and this, parents have an agenda, um, but they're not my patient. I have to see what my patient's agenda is. If you bring somebody to me as a patient, I have to ask that patient, do you want to be healed? Do you want to change? Do you want to stop doing drugs? Do you want medication? If they say no to any of that, so I'm sorry, there's nothing I can do. The parents get very upset sometimes because they think that we've got some kind of magic wand or something or that I can magically say something or that I can force medication that their child's going to get better. And they get very, very upset. I remember one parent in particular got upset because her son stopped taking his medication. He'd been doing well. He stopped taking his medication. Once he stopped it, he decompensated. He ended up in the hospital. He was over 18 
And at the hospital, he said, I do not want to talk to my parents. I do not want them to come visit me. And I do not want them to know about my health care. And what happened in that hospital? They said, okay, he's over 18. We have to respect it. This is what the patient wants. So the mom called my office and was very upset and said, what's going on? Why can't I talk to my son? You have to do something. You have to tell them. I said, I'm sorry, I can't. He's an adult. And she got even more mad. And she said, how come nobody told me this? How come you never told me that this could happen? Because she could not. She was not allowed to talk to him. She tried calling the hospital. And they said, we're sorry. He doesn't want to talk to you. He was about to be discharged. He was about to be released from the hospital. He said, don't tell my parents where I'm going to be released. And the parents didn't even know the day that he was going to be released, where he was going to be released. They didn't know what was going to happen. And they were very upset. But that was his right. He said he had the right to be able to, to uh, have his own life by the law. Devastating for parents. But this is this is the reality. This is something that we need to consider. Why do we need to consider this? Because when we start blaming ourselves as parents, we have to ask ourselves, am I really responsible for all my kids' actions? Did I teach them well? Did I sit down with them and tell them, this is what's important in our faith. This is what's important to consider. Um, and when you find yourself, if you find yourself in a place where you did do drugs or you did fall into the wrong crowd or something along those lines, what's our recourse? How? What do we do to get better? Well, I'll tell you what, folks. The bottom line is the best way we can teach our kids, and this is going to sound very old hat, and it's going to sound very uh, used all the time, but it's with example. Our kids are going to remember what we did. How do we know this? Well, if we look at tradition, if our kids get older and get married and they have their own families, what do they usually do? They say, oh, this is the way we used to do things at home. Oh, Thanksgiving's coming. Christmas is coming. I remember dad always used to hang up um, this wreath. I remember mom always put up this ornament. I remember, and we hold on to that nostalgia. We repeat it and we repeat it for our own families. So come the holiday times, we want to repeat the traditions that we learned at home. Well, what are the moral traditions that we learned at home? That's something we need to ask ourselves, right? Because all of a sudden, we got we to gotta take a look at the fact that our children are learning. Our children are learning as we speak to them. They're learning uh, what we teach them, not only when we're with them, but even when we're not with them. They're learning what we do when we come and go from work. They're learning what we do around the home. They come home and they see what decorations are up, if the house is clean or not if, uh, um, you know, what smells are in the home. This is what we're providing for our kids. This is what they're learning. This is what they learn all the time. So I guess my question would be, what did I teach my kids morally? What am I doing morally in my own life? Am I going to church? Are my kids seeing me go to church? Am I going to confession regularly? Are my kids seeing me go to confession? Do they recognize that, oh yeah, mom's always praying the rosary. Dad's always going to church. This is what they see. Maybe I should do that too. If they get married and have their own kids, that's what they're going to remember. You know, you might be estranged from your parents, but if you have your kids, you kind of realize all of a sudden you want them to know their grandparents. You want them to know where they came from. These are the important things. And as parents, that's really what we provide. We provide the example of this is where you come from. This is who your parents are. This is what's important. This is what I need you to learn. That's the bottom line. What is the heart of a good mother? What is the heart of a good parent? Really, I look at this and look at the Immaculate Heart of Mary, and I say, that's the good mother. That's the mother that I want to be a parent like. I want to be able to say, you know what? This is what I want my parents, my kids to follow. This is what I want them to know. Um, and 
how do we do that? Well, I think one thing is, are my kids seeing my devotion to Our Lady? Have I talked to them about the Immaculate Heart of Mary? It's the month of August when the kids are little. This is when they're going to be most impressionable. Do we sit down and say, look, this is an important devotion. This is the devotion to the Immaculate Heart of Our Lady. Why is this important? What is the heart of Our Lady going to teach us? Have we consecrated ourselves to the heart of Our Lady? We're going to do a consecration prayer here in the show. Um, but we want to consecrate our heart to the heart of Our Lady. And we want to see what those promises are. Are there any promises that Our Lady has for us as we decide to invoke her and have her help us in our hearts? Well, let's see. Where did we start with certain devotions? The devotion of the Immaculate Heart, the devotion of first five Saturdays, the devotion, are we taking our kids to do this? If I do, if I start showing my kids these important devotions, then I can say, you know what? I taught them well. I gave them the tools that they were going to need when spiritually down the road, they find themselves in situations where their heart might be compromised. Hopefully, they tied their hearts to the heart of Our Lady, to the Immaculate Heart of Our Lady, and they're going to start to make decisions that way. They're going to start to see what's right, what's wrong, and what's in their own heart. More after the break. All right, folks, well, welcome back to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. You're listening to the Dr. Sandoval Show. Today, we're talking about what does the Immaculate Heart have to do with raising our children? What does it mean to be a good mother? You know, and for dads, obviously a good parent. When I look at Our Lady and I think, how does she raise Christ? How do you how do you even take that on? How do you decide when you say yes to God? Like we do when we start, you know, we pray the Angelus, and I'm just thinking about that. You know, we pray the Angelus at the beginning of the show because it's the top of the noon hour. But the Angelus is really where Our Lady said, Yes, I will be a mother. And I will be a mother to the Son of God. When you take on that responsibility, it feels pretty overwhelming, I would think. How do you how do you even decide, yeah, I'm going to be the mom to God? What am I going to teach him? I think at that point, this is what we can learn from Our Lady. Was Our Lady responsible for teaching Christ? Absolutely, as a parent. Our Lady and St. Joseph were the parents of Jesus. Uh, Our Lady, of course, the mother. St. Joseph, the foster father. But you take on the responsibility of a child. You take on the responsibi responsibility of raising a child. Now, we know that Jesus, even when he was lost in the temple, he already told Our Lady and St. Joseph, well, I already know what I got to do here. I'm doing my work of my father, so I'm going to be in the temple. Uh, when he was lost and they couldn't find him. Jesus obviously knew what he was doing in many, many levels, but he also followed what his parents told him. And they said, come home with us. And he said, okay. There had to be a special kind of love, but there also had to be 100% trust in God. That's the ultimate humility. I think as parents, this is where I say, we can teach our kids so much, but now I have to trust God and that my child's going to make their own decisions that my child's going to be able to say, this is what I want to do. And I hope that their heart was formed in a way that they always choose God first. You know, and we know as adults, we didn't always do that in our lives. We're not perfect. We stand at the confessional line. And if we haven't gone to the confessional line in a while, maybe we should. But I was standing there the other day in the confessional line thinking, you know, what do I want for my kids? I want them to see me here in the confessional line. I want them to see that, you know what? 
I might not be perfect, but this is my moment to try to get closer to God and to try. That's really what I want to infuse in their hearts. But let's look at the heart of Our Lady. How is this different? What's what's going on with our veneration of Our Lady? I just pulled up a Wikipedia page here. Why? Because I like looking, just doing general searches. I looked up the Immaculate Heart of Mary. It's on Wikipedia. And under the section of veneration, I thought it was beautifully laid out. This is what it says. The veneration of the heart of Mary is analogous or similar to the veneration of the Sacred Heart of Jesus. There are, however, differences in this analogy as devotion to the heart of Jesus is especially directed to the divine heart as overflowing with love for humanity. So when we have special devotion to the sacred heart of Jesus, we're directly going to the heart of love. In the devotion to Mary, however, the attraction is the love of her heart for Jesus and for God. What we're going to learn from the Immaculate Heart is, how do I best love God? Our, Our Lady's heart's the example. This is why I like this as a, as a parent, to look to Our Lady's heart. Obviously, I look at the Sacred Heart as well. But when I look at the Immaculate Heart, the Immaculate Heart is really the goal that I need to get to, because that's going to teach me how to best love the Sacred Heart. I got to look at Our Lady's heart and say, if I conform my heart like Our Lady, how did she love God? What did she do? She said yes to God without worrying about herself. She said yes to God when, you know, as a young gal, she said, yeah, whatever God needs, I'll do. And she didn't think twice. She didn't say, well, how's this going to happen? Um, yes, granted, when the angel told her she was going to have a child, she said, well, I don't ex- understand how this is going to happen. But she was thinking more technicality. She said, I don't know, man. She wasn't, she was planning on being a perpetual virgin. She said, well, if I'm already planning on being a virgin, though, and I know God respects my will in that respect, how's this going to happen? How's it going to work? And the angel told her, Angel Gabriel told her, the Holy Spirit will come over you and make it happen. And she's like, okay, whatever God wants. So let's see here. So the first thing is, again, the attraction is the love of her heart for Jesus and for God. It's whatever God wants. That's really what it comes down to. I think as parents, when we start thinking that way, I'm going to have a child, my wife and I get pregnant, you know, we've already got four children. How am I going to raise my kids? However God wants which means that I have to conform my heart first to God. And then I can say, however you want to do this, God, I'm going to be guided by you. That's really what Our Lady did. This is what it says in the difference of the devotions too. The second difference is the nature of the devotion itself. In the devotion to the sacred heart of Jesus, the Roman Catholic venerates in a sense of love, responding to love. Why? Because that's, that's where love comes from. Love comes from God, from the sacred heart. And I'm just responding to that love. That love comes out from the sacred heart of Jesus to my heart, and I'm responding to his love. In the devotion to the heart of Mary, study and imitation hold as important a place as love. Meaning that, yes, there's going to be love there because Our Lady loves us as her children. But notice there's going to be study and imitation. I got to study what did Our Lady do? How do I imitate that? So that I can get closer to the heart of Christ. That's the goal. That's what we want to teach our children. That's the ultimate goal of the parent, to have that sense of the immaculate heart in our own heart. So the aim of the devotion is to unite humankind to God through Mary's heart. And this process involves the ideas of consecration and reparation. This is important. Do we want to conform our hearts to the hearts of our Lord and the hearts of our Lady, especially the immaculate heart here in the month of August? I think what does that really mean? It means I want my heart to be like theirs. If my heart is like theirs, I'm going to come pretty close to treating my kids 
the way Our Lady and the way Jesus would. Is that important? Yes, because when my kids feel that, remember I said our kids are learning by our example all the time. They're learning by what we do, by our traditions, by what we do in our household. When my children learn the example of my heart, they're going to remember that for themselves and they're going to carry that not only with them in their hearts their the rest of their lives, but they're going to pass that on to their children. That's our inheritance. That's that's our heritage. That's what we teach our uh, our children that hopefully they teach their children as well. This is how we continue our Catholic hearts. We first transform our hearts into the hearts of Christ and the hearts of Our Lady. This is important to consider. It's a beautiful devotion really more than anything else. Why is this important to us? Because our ultimate goal is heaven. Why is a parent so devastated if their child is doing drugs or falls into the wrong crowd? Because they realize that even at the human level, at the level of this world, that's not leading them to a good place. It's not leading them to a good career. It's not leading them to a good future. We want nothing but the best for our kids. It's not leading them in a path where they might have their own family and be a good example for their own kids. We realize this is leading down a path of destruction. This is a problem. This is leading down a path of hell to begin with, because not only am I worried about their physical well-being, but what's going on with them spiritually at that point. It's important to consider these things. We want to have our hearts like the hearts of Our Lady. Why don't we go ahead and we're going to do a solemn after consecration to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. I'm going to put this prayer as a link on our uh, to the video here. Um, but let's go ahead and pray it, because this is important. We're talking, to our, we're talking about the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Let's, by our own example right now, consecrate our hearts to Our Lady. Now, you could be saying, Dr. Sandoval, am I ready to do that? I don't know. I feel like I'm I'm not in a good place. I need to go to church. I need to do this. We can do that. But God takes us where we're at. Let's just listen to the prayer. Let's see what it says to our hearts. Let's see if our hearts become more like the heart of Our Lady. Say in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Most Holy Virgin Mary, tender mother of men, to fulfill the desires of the Sacred Heart of Jesus and the requests of the Vicar of your Son on earth, we consecrate ourselves and our families to your sorrowful and immaculate heart, O Queen of the Most Holy Rosary, and we recommend to you all the people of our country and all the world. Please accept our consecration, dearest Mother, and use us as you wish to accomplish your designs in the world. O sorrowful and immaculate heart of Mary, Queen of the Most Holy Rosary, and Queen of the World, rule over us together with the Sacred Heart of Christ, our King, Save us from the spreading flood of modern paganism. Kindle in our hearts and homes the love of purity, the practice of a virtuous life, an ardent zeal for souls, and a desire to pray the rosary more faithfully. We come with confidence to you, O throne of grace and mother of fair love. Inflame us with the same divine fire which has inflamed your own sorrowful and immaculate heart. Make our hearts and homes you shrine, your shrine, and through us make the heart of Jesus, together with your rule, triumph in every heart and home. Amen. Look at that. The consecration to the Immaculate Heart of Our Lady. Is that important? Is that powerful? You better believe it's powerful. How do we know it's powerful? Our Lady herself at Fatima requested that to bring peace to the whole world, Russia be consecrated to her Immaculate Heart. That's how powerful that is. You know, a lot of parents, when they come to me and they feel devastated, again, moms especially are the ones who usually come to me, and which is why I really hold, a, hold them in a special place during this month of August. I really think about them, and I, and I realize prayer is important, 
And a lot of times they roll their eyes and I say, you got to pray for your kid. We don't give enough value to prayer. We don't we don't have enough faith sometimes in prayer. We say, pray for my kid. No, I need to get him off the streets. I need to do this. Again, how much are we focusing on God? Your will be done. I'm going to stop and I'm going to pray. Do I believe that God can change the world through prayer? Do I believe that if I devote myself to the Immaculate Heart of Mary, that if I ask Our Lady's intercession for us, that things can change, that things can happen, that through prayer we can actually um, change the lives of our, of our families, our kids, put things in their path, change their heart? We can. The question is, how much faith do we have in that? How do I know that we can? Because if Our Lady herself said, consecrate Russia to my Immaculate Heart, consecrate the world to my Immaculate Heart, and things will get better. There will be peace. That sounds pretty simple. What did Our Lady ask us to do at Fatima? She asked us to do the first five Saturdays. Why? Let's look at this. Here's a little devotional story, but we're going to look at this because this is important for the Immaculate Heart. I want my kids to get better. I want my family to have peace. Here's what I'm going to do. First five Saturdays have their beginnings in the message of Fatima. And again, I'm putting a link to this article in the video where Our Lady mentioned that she would request communions of reparation be made on the first Saturday of every month. She explained the details of the devotion to Sister Lucia, we all know and Sister Lucia, in a later apparition in December of 1925, and the great promise given to those who practice it. Well, there is a great promise if we have a devotion to the first five Saturdays, which means receiving communion, going to confession, praying the rosary for 15 minutes, and meditating on the rosary, praying for the Holy Father. Do that for first five Saturdays, and Our Lady's going to be there for us. We're going to read the promise when we come back from the break. But this is really important. This is why the Immaculate Heart is so powerful. Devotion to the Immaculate Heart is so powerful. And prayer can change our lives, can change our families, can change the world. All right, folks. Well, welcome back to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. You are listening to the Dr. Sandoval Show. Today, we're talking about the Immaculate Heart of Mary. How can we best conform our hearts to the hearts of Our Lady so that we can pass that on to our children, so that we can pass that on to our neighbors, so that we can spread that devotion, that special love Our Lady has? And is it important? Is consecration to the Immaculate Heart of Mary important? Before the break, we were talking a little bit about, yes, it is important. If we look at the history of Fatima, the apparition of Our Lady, uh, and what she said about consecrating Russia to her Immaculate Heart. Now, I know there's a lot of controversy among our Catholic circles. Was Russia officially consecrated or not? There were a few prayers said. Did St. John Paul II actually consecrate it? Did the recent Pope Francis consecrate the, uh, Russia to the Immaculate Heart of Our Lady? You know, these are important questions that we ask, but at the end of the day, I want to ask myself, you know, I have no control over that. But what I do have control over is, did I consecrate myself to the Immaculate Heart of Our Lady? And will heaven see what appears to be one little act? Absolutely. Because heaven looks at each soul as, it's, as if it were the only soul ever made. Each of us is loved that way by God as if we're the only person on, on earth, and this is all for just me. God has that kind of love for us. Our Lady understood that. Our Lady knew that. Our Lady had that kind of love for God because there is only one God. So my relationship with God is unique. Our Lady knew that. Our Lady saw that in her humility. What is she telling us? Consecrate yourselves to, our, to my Immaculate Heart. Do some reparations. This is the promise that Our Lady said if we do the first five Saturdays. Okay, it says, this is from Fatima. Well, this is from her apparition to, to Sister Lucia, December 1925. I promise to assist at the hour of death 
with the graces necessary for salvation. Right there, you've already perked up my ear. So when I'm going to die, you're going to promise me the graces necessary for salvation, all those who, in order to make reparation to me on the first Saturday of five successive months, go to confession, receive Holy Communion, say five decades of the rosary, and keep me company for a quarter of an hour meditating on the 15 mysteries of the rosary. Well, it's not that hard, folks. First five Saturdays, five months, you go to confession, which we should be doing regularly anyway, regularly anyway, once a month, once every two weeks, receive Holy Communion, which hopefully we're doing at least once a week, say five decades of the rosary, which hopefully we're doing every day, it's stuff we're already doing, and keep me company for a quarter of an hour meditating on the 15 mysteries of the rosary. And she promised to assist us at the hour of death with the graces necessary for salvation. I'll take that. I'll take that. Now, there's also the idea that there need to be reparations for Our Lady. Why? Well, let's see. There's a question as to why five Saturdays? Why not a different number? Well, this is what it says. Our Lord, in an apparition to Sister Lucia in 1930, explained why the devotion comprised of five Saturdays, as opposed to another number, such as nine or seven. He said that there are five kinds of offenses committed against the Immaculate Heart of Mary. One, blasphemies against her Immaculate Conception. This is true. A lot of people don't believe that. A lot of people don't believe Our Lady was Immaculately Conceived, but this is a dogma of the Church against her perpetual virginity. People sometimes believe, no, you know, Our Lady, she had other children. Nope, not the case. Against her divine maternity, refusing to accept her as a mother of God and mother of all mankind. You know, people don't see that. They say that, you know, Our Lady was just another human being and she was maybe special because she had Jesus. But if you look at the theology behind it, if you look at what that means to carry Christ in your womb, you have to have uh, divine maternity because she is the mother of God. For those who try to publicly implant in children's hearts indifference, contempt, and even hate for this immaculate mother. There's people who do that. So we need to make reparations for that. For those who insult her directly in her sacred images. And that's true. I remember one time in Europe, I don't remember exactly the country, but I remember they were there was a museum where they decided to put a holographic image, which is not a real image, but a pretend image of Our Lady, and you could shatter it. And there was a problem with that. People protested. But why would you want to do that? Why would you want to all of a sudden shatter uh, the Im a sacred image, something that's important to the Catholic faith? You know, obviously, it's the devil at work. There's no question about that. But we do the first five Saturdays. We start making reparations, and we say, for Our Lady, is it worth it? Absolutely. Why wouldn't it be worth it? Look at what Our Lady, who Our Lady is, what she's promising us. She's the Queen of Heaven. She hopefully is the Queen of our hearts. She's the Queen of our home. That's what we want from her. So, first five Saturdays, she asks us to pray the Rosary. She asks us to pray the Rosary and meditate on the mysteries for fifteen minutes on those first five Saturdays in order to make reparations to her Immaculate Heart. What's so important about praying the Rosary? You know, with the Rosary, I don't know how many of us. Um, pray it every day. I don't know. I grew up praying it every day, so it became part of my tradition. This is what I mean by, you know, what we do at home, what uh, what's what we see is part of our tradition, and this is what, what our kids are going to carry on with them. Why do I pray the rosary every day now? Because that's what we did growing up. Was it fun? No, it never was. As a kid, you say pray the rosary, and it's like, you might as well tell me to eat lima beans all day, 
because it feels torturous for 15 minutes. And it's only really 15, 20 minutes of prayer, but it feels like a torture. It feels like, like it's so hard to do, but I think it's because we don't understand it that well. One of the important things to remember, though, is as we pray it, we're focusing on the life of Christ. The Hail Marys that we pray are supposed to be more meditative, almost like a meditative music, like a chant. And we're supposed to be thinking about the life of Christ. Now, Our Lady promises, made promises not only about her Immaculate Heart in the first five Saturdays, where she says, hey, you're going to get all the graces you need to make it to heaven. But she, there's 15 promises associated with a rosary for the 15 original mysteries. Let's read those really quickly here at the end of the show, because this is what's important. This is what's in the heart of Our Lady. This is what Our Lady really wants for us. How do I get to know the Immaculate Heart of Mary? If I pray the rosary, I'm going to come that much closer to understanding what's in Mary's heart. And how do I come to understand her as a mother? Well, what do our parents promise us? If I tell my kid, yes, of course, I'm going to get you ice cream, but I never do, that's going to be a problem. They're going to say, Dad, I can't trust you. I can't follow through. Uh, you don't follow through on what you're telling me you're going to do. But Our Lady is going to follow through. What's in her heart? Let's look at the promises she gives us with the rosary. 15 promises. The first promise is, those who faithfully serve me by recitation of the rosary shall receive signal graces, special graces, graces tailored just for you. That's important. I'll take that. Who doesn't want graces? Let's look at promise number two. I promise my special protection and the greatest graces to all those who shall recite the rosary. Special protection from Our Lady, I will take. I'll take that anytime. Three, the rosary shall be powerful armor against hell. It will destroy vice, decrease sin, decrease sin, and defeat heresies. You know, here at Virgin Most Powerful Radio, we know we have a very strong apostolate towards deliverance ministry, towards making sure that we keep enemies at bay and away from us so that we can follow God, so we can focus our hearts to God, so that as parents, when we find ourselves in a maybe difficult situation with one of our kids, we can focus uh, on God and bring that into our home and hopefully ask him to help us out with that. And the rosary, Our Lady said in this third promise, shall be powerful armor against hell. I'll take that. We're always saying, you got to pray the rosary. got to pray the rosary. Once Our Lady comes into the deliverance session, it's over. Why? Because she's the queen of heaven and earth, which means that she's the queen of all the angels, which means that she's also the queen of all the damned angels, and they cannot stand that. How can they possibly stand it? This is why when Our Lady shows up, it's over. They realize she is our queen, whether we like it or not. Even though we're wretched, she's still in charge. That's important to consider. How can the rosary not be a powerful armor against hell? Let's look at promise number four. The recitation of the rosary will cause virtue and good works to flourish. It will obtain for souls the abundant mercy of God. It will withdraw the hearts of men from the love of the world and its vanities, and it will lift them to the desire of eternal things. Oh, that souls would sanctify themselves by this means. Folks, this is where we start praying the rosary. We start teaching the kids the rosary. We're hopefully not going to have all these parental tears later. Listen to this again. Isn't this what from this example that we talked about today, where this poor uh, mother had her son falling into the traps of the world, of the world of drugs and who knows what else? The rosary will withdraw the hearts of men from love of the world and its vanities and lift them to the desire of eternal things. Isn't that what she would have wanted? Wouldn't she want her son at that point to say, you know what's more important? That I get myself to heaven, that I practice virtue, that I'm kind to my neighbor. Isn't that what we want? Dr. Sandoval, what can I do? How can I get my son to do that? So you got to pray for him. Got to pray the rosary. It's one of the promises of the rosary. And people roll their eyes. They don't realize this is the medication. I can treat you with pills to a certain extent. I can't force them for your kids. But if you pray, 
I'm giving you the right medication that you can give him. You want to know what you can do for him? That's what you can do for him. But you got to have faith that this is going to do something. Let's look at promise number five. The soul which recommends itself to me by the recitation of the rosary shall not perish. I will take that. Number six, those who recite my rosary devoutly, applying themselves to the consideration of its sacred mysteries, shall never be conquered by misfortune. In his justice, God will not chastise them, nor shall they perish by an unprovided death. In other words, they will be prepared for heaven for death. Sinners shall convert. They shall per persevere in grace and become worthy of eternal life. Didn't this mom want her son to convert? She was worried that he was in the life of sin and drugs. Got to pray the rosary. Those who have a true devotion to the rosary shall not die without the sacraments of the church. I think I'd be very happy to receive communion and confession in the reverse order at my moment of death. I'll take it. Those who faithfully recite the rosary shall have during their life and at the death the light of God and the plenitude of his graces. At the moment of death, they shall participate in the merits of the saints in heaven. So I can reach saintliness by praying the rosary. Do I want this for my kids? That's what we've got to ask ourselves. This is the heart of a mother. How do we? How are we a good mother? I want to be a good father and a good mother to my kids, so to speak, because I want to have a full heart. Granted, I can only be a father, technically speaking, but I want to learn from the Immaculate Heart of Mary how I can do that even better. And moms, the same thing. How do we learn from the Immaculate Heart of Our Lady how to be a better parent? We pray the rosary. That's where her heart is, because the rosary is the life of her son. Remember, when she said yes to God, it was all about loving God, loving whatever came her way. That was the rosary. At the moment of death, they shall participate in the merits of saints in paradise. I want that for my kids. I want them to participate the merits of saint in paradise. I'm going to teach them how to pray the rosary. And as they keep praying, when we get to heaven, they're going to say, wow, how do I get these merits? Thanks for teaching me. I passed the test. Got 100% because you taught me how to pray the rosary, and then I did it on my own. When it came to the test, I prayed it. A few more promises here. I shall deliver from purgatory those who have been devoted to the rosary. The faithful children of the rosary shall merit a high degree of glory in heaven. By the recitation of the rosary, you shall obtain all that you ask of me. Right there, that's important. Do I not want my kids to be able to pray to Our Lady and receive the graces that she can offer? Those who propagate the rosary shall be aided by me in their necessities. I have obtained from my divine son that all the advocates of the rosary shall have for their intercessors the entire celestial court during their life and at the hour of death. All who recite the rosary are my beloved children and brothers and sisters of my only son, Jesus Christ, her only son, perpetual virginity, and devotion to my rosary is a great sign of predestination. Now, there's a whole different show we can do on predestination, but if we look at the promises of Our Lady, we look at consecrating ourselves to her immaculate heart, that's how we become the best parent. How do we become a good mother, a good father? Let's look at the heart of Our Lady. Let's look at what she can promise us. Let's look at those promises of the rosary and say, do I want to give these to my children? I absolutely do. Let's devote ourselves to the Immaculate Heart this month of August. Let's make sure that we pass on the Catholic tradition to our children. And let's keep it Catholic. St. Faustina's Prayer for Priests O oh my Jesus, I beg thee on behalf of